I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, Adam? How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Rob. Nicola, I'll get you next, buddy. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. So the Celtics are now, what, fourth in the East, right? I mean, I haven't actually looked after yesterday's game. Uh, let's have a look. I think they were... Um, let's have a look. Eastern Conference. Standings. I've been that busy with, I think, podcasting and stuff today. So they're fifth. Okay. All right. But yeah, Celtics doing good. Is everyone? Uh, is Celtics Nation calmed down a bit? Because I know a few weeks ago everyone was acting like the sky was falling because they were in like seventh place. Yeah, I mean they're winning, so everybody's happy right now. Whether or not it stays that way after the next loss remains to be seen. I'm very curious, and I've said this a few times in the last 24 hours or so. But it's great watching these guys um, win. And I'm really happy with the resilience that they've shown. But I think the next hurdle is for them to actually lose a game and then come back strong in the following game. That's going to be the biggest uh, deciding factor for me. So I saw Kemba hit the, I guess, game-clinching shot against Golden State. So it was like, is he back now or is he still kind of inconsistent? He's having inconsistent stretches during games. Like, um, he'll be hot for a while. He'll be finding his lanes to the hoop. Uh, the team are making a real big effort on trying to switch him on to opposing big men to get that mismatch. But then he'll have a cold shooting stretch and probably go like 0 for 5 in a stretch, which is making his uh, field goal percentage look a little bit unsavory, would probably be a nice way. All right. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> yeah, of course, buddy, man. I hope you're doing well as well, Rob. What's up, Nicola? How you doing, bro? Hi, man. How you doing? I'm fine. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you again. We we met the last time on my show in Celtic Nation Italia, and uh, now we have a new new acquisition. So I'd like to know about uh, about uh, what do you think about uh, the acquisition of Jabari Parker, how it can be used by by the Celtics, uh, which is uh, the things that he can bring to the team. And also, uh, what do you think about his defensive lapses that sometimes he has? Yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting fireworks. He done better than I expected him to do in that um, in that debut game. Uh, I think that he's going to be a situational offensive spark. If they need some size at the four or maybe a small ball five, then he's going to be the guy they plug in there. He can get you buckets in a pinch. Whether or not he can do that consistently remains to be seen. I think that one of the best ad, um, attributes he's got is he's, he's just like a legit big guy, right? He's got good length, good size. His handle isn't too loose. I, I think he could tighten it up a little bit. I'm concerned about how easily he can turn the ball over because he has a rather low gather point, which uh, we saw early in those first two possessions. He gathers the ball quite low for a big guy, so it's quite easy to swipe the ball away from him. Uh, defensively, I think Brad Stevens kind of said they need to figure out how to best use him on both sides of the floor and how to fit him in with the system. What I think Brad was saying nicely was we need a, a way to utilize his offensive talents, but hide him defensively as fast as possible. Um, 
at a small ball five, maybe he could be viable as a defensive guy. Just asking him to play some drop coverage, protect the rim, and match up with um, opposing second unit fours and fives. I think that could work. Uh, I think it's a good pickup. It adds more balance to the roster. It was quite top heavy with bigs and guards. Uh, adding another wing was something that was a necessity. And it's a buy low, like a low risk, high reward type of move. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I just don't think we're going to see the best of Jabari Parker for at least the rest of this season. Yeah. I, I think personally, it, it can be tough to play in, in playoff matchups as well, because then, uh, teams can, can come and find the, the, the weakness of, of, of the player, no? Uh, in, in the defensive end, like we saw last year with Enes Kanter and the year, uh, two years before with uh, Greg Morrow. So I don't think uh, we're going to see a lot of uh, Jabari Parker in the playoff time. But it can be useful in, uh, in regular season, especially with a lot of absence we have uh, and we're going to see in, in the future. Uh, thank you so much for the attention and uh, keep listening to your show. Thanks. Thank you, Nicola. I will say before you go that I think that there is an up, a possibility they use him in the playoffs just because the second unit has been prone to going cold for stretches. There's a lot of defensive talent on that second unit, but outside of Evan Fournier, they're a bit more limited on offensive talent. So having somebody that you can plug into one of those gaps in Jabari Parker and ask to do some work on the boards, maybe stretch the floor on the corner a little bit, and then get some work done around the block as well. I think that he will add a different... um a different dimension to that second unit, but it's just not something I would rely on night in, night out. Okay. Thank you so much, Adam. Of course, man. Thank you very much. What's going on, Christian? Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. You? Yeah. Can't complain. Uh, so my question is, uh, I saw that um, at least the latest injury report, it looks like Rob Williams is going to be out again. Um, do you think this is just a, kind of just trying to take a cautious approach or you know, is this maybe a cause for concern? I think at the moment you can take it as the cautious approach. Um, if I remember, it was like some knee soreness, right? Like it's some yeah, I think knee. it's knee, right knee um, soreness. And that's okay. Like, you know, he's been banged up. He's been playing more minutes, which is going to mean more, more bumps and bruises playing against starting level opposition. So it's probably a little bit rougher in there once you get down into the paint. Um, there's a few back to backs coming up. I think there's two more back to backs left this season. And I think that the best thing to do with all of these guys is be precautious of their health. We've been for a season where guys have missed stretches. You've seen no Kemba, no Jalen, no Jason, no Rob, no Tristan, no Fournier. So for me, if it means having to sit a guy for a couple of games to make sure his health's optimal approaching the playoffs, then so be it. Brad said on the, um, on his presser after the Golden State Warriors game that he's not going to compromise players' long-term health, uh, with obviously meaning the playoff health, for chasing seeding positions. Because at the end of the day, as long as you make the playoffs, then everything else can figure itself out from there. Right. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. And then uh, one more thing uh, on topic of big men uh, playing Chicago today. So uh, I was wondering, uh, do we think um, the war on Tice is going to continue <laughs> on the other side? As long as the game finishes the same way as Tyson's career finishes and he misses a game winner, if he's in that position, <laughs> then I think I'll be okay. Uh, seriously, though, I think that um, Vucevic is going to pose a bit more of a problem. Uh, stretch bigs seem to be where Boston struggled. We saw it when they were trying to deal up on Nikola Jokic. Uh, I wouldn't, and they figured that out down the stretch, obviously, because Jokic ended up getting sat early due to their back-to-back. Right. But I think that I think that Vucevic will pose more of a problem than what we've seen in the last few games. 
Uh, and Tice, we, like, I'm really curious about Tice because Boston know Tice's game, but Tice also knows how Boston are going to look to defend him. So um, hopefully this isn't like a Tice revenge game where he comes out looking to prove he should never have been traded. Uh, but at the moment, you know that that trade landed you now Luke Cornett and Jabari Parker, if you really think about it, after cutting Mo Wagner. So um, I'm curious. I want to see. I'm quite comf- I'm quietly confident that Boston can see this through. Uh, but Chicago got stronger at the trade deadline, so it's going to be interesting. And I really like the way they pressure the perimeter on defense. Right. Okay. I agree with that. Appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you. Thanks. What's going on, Sam? Hey, doing good, man. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Good, good. Just uh, had a quick question here. Um, I was looking at the injury report, and I know that uh, Jalen was out uh, recently with a non-COVID in, uh, illness, and I see uh, Marcus Smart and Kemba were question- questionable with those. Do you think that's more of a kind of some going around the locker room, or maybe uh, they're getting that COVID vaccine? Because I heard that uh, that can get pretty bad when, once you get it. Yeah, I'm not too sure, and I don't really want to speculate. It's not something like I just genuinely don't know whether it it would be the vaccine this early or whether, I mean, I don't know whether they'd be vocal about getting the vaccine as well. Just like, Hey, we're getting vaccinated. I know some of the guys have said that they're, they're looking forward to having that because obviously it's another step closer to normality. Um, maybe they're just sick. I mean, the one thing like for people that have been living in a bubble for the last 12 months, like me, uh, the one thing that happens is your immune system completely and utterly drops. Them guys haven't been in that bubble. They've been exposed a little bit more. But with that means you're exposed to the chance of catching the flu or maybe you had something that didn't agree with you on a flight. Uh, so maybe they've just got the sniffles. Honestly, though, uh, I genuinely don't know the answer and I, I don't think it would be right of me to speculate on a reason why they're not playing. Yeah, makes sense. And, and my last question here is, uh, what do you think of uh, this recent uh, win streak the guys have been uh, kind of going on? It's, it's been really encouraging. They've been winning a lot of uh, close games down the stretch, even with guys out. And uh, having uh, Fournier coming back soon, hopefully, uh, I just feel like uh, you know they're getting a lot of momentum going down the stretch uh, and then going into the. Yeah, I'm loving it. To be quite honest with you, um, I think that this is a byproduct of actually having your best players available for a stretch of time, so they can develop a rhythm together and they can start gelling. Uh, that was one thing that I kind of think went under the radar, even for me, like covering the team throughout the season. I think that it's quite easy when the team is losing and they're playing bad basketball to forget or to overlook the fact that two or three of these main guys are actually out or they've been out and now they're trying to work their way back to fitness or they're playing with like minor injuries, trying to play through the pain barrier. Um, so I think that what we're seeing now is just a byproduct of a bunch of guys being healthy and having time on the floor together. That resiliency that they're showing to keep coming back from these tight games is uh, super encouraging Reminds me of like old Celtics teams that overachieved and the stretch in the playoffs. You know, I think that that we're starting to see trends of teams like that, that hopefully Boston can start to develop that, like never allow ourselves to lose mentality. Uh, but they need to keep it up. And as I said at the top of the show, and I said um, on a couple of podcasts recently, the biggest telltale sign that this team has that resiliency now is how they respond after losing a game. Because it's quite easy to stay winning and stay like, super fired up and super competitive when you're on a win streak. But when you need to pick yourself up after that streak gets broken, that's when we can really pinpoint how far this team has moved forward since their rough February. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. You know, it's, it's been really, really fun to watch. Thanks a lot. Of course, Sam, man. Thank you very much, bro. Hey, KJ, what's good, girl? What's good, my guy? 
Adam, I just got two quick questions for you. One is Celtics related and one is semi-Celtics related, okay? Two quick questions <laughs> okay, for you. Okay, I got okay. you. Okay. Number one, I want to know, because I've been thinking about this a lot, what do you think, over the course of these two years, what do you think Jabari Parker's absolute ceiling is, best case scenario, for what he turns into for the Celtics? And question two is, do you have any plans ever to come over to the States? I'm just curious, for, for your mental well-being, because I know these Celtics games keep you up so late sometimes. I'm just, I'm curious, do you have any, any thought to that whatsoever? Okay, so I'll start with Jabari Parker one because it's the quicker answer. Um, I think absolute maximum ceiling, 7th or 8th guy in the rotation, 15 to 18 minutes a night, um, very consistent scoring threat, and they find a way to make him passable on defense. I think that's his absolute ceiling in the next two years. I think if he if he developed to that point, then we could start looking at a trend where maybe he fight, fights his way as a starter over three or four. But for right now, because it's not even two years, right? It's like 14 months or 16 months. Um, I think that's his absolute ceiling for the next 14 to 16 months. And then coming over to the States, man, that's what I'm working towards, buddy. Uh, it's, it's kind of a vicious circle. Like, um, I'm assuming you mean permanently, right? Like immigration. So it's a vicious circle because you can't move without getting a job and you can't get a job without moving. So I'm trying to figure that out. Um, if anybody listening to the show wants to help me figure that out, then my DMs are always open. I'd be very grateful. Um, but it is really kind of like a, a vicious circle that I'm trying to figure out how to navigate, but I just don't fully understand how I'm going to do that quite yet without somebody coming in and offering me a job. And if you want to offer me a job, that'd be great. What's going on, Lucas? I'm doing well, Lucas. You, man? Pretty good. Can't complain. Um, you know, I'm coming up here. I'm going to ask a question I've asked you a couple times before just to see if the win streak or anything has changed. Your mind, do you still think the Celtics are looking at most likely a second round out um, in the playoffs this year? As things currently stand, uh, I think that there's an avenue to the finals, depending on how the matchups fall. But I think that there's still the most likely scenario if we're being conservative and not allowing a five-game win streak to really skew what we've seen for the rest of the year. At this point, uh, I'd still say a second round exit is more likely than making a conference finals, but I'm slowly starting to believe that there's a viable path towards the finals. I love to hear that. I love to hear that you at least think there's a path for us to make it. Um, and also, do you think, have we yet to see the Celtics at their best given injuries, COVID additions? Like we've barely got to see Fournier on the court. And when he's been on the court, he's been everything you said he was going to be three level score, you know? Um, so do you think like that we've yet to see the best from the Celtics? Oh, for sure. There's, they're still not 100%, right? Like, even with everybody else that's playing, with Tatum, with Brown, with Kemba having his own mini resurgence at the moment, Tristan Thompson seems to have figured his role out to a T. They've discovered a nice defensive bench duo in Thompson and Grant Williams. But I think that Evan Fournier is going to be the guy that elevates them to a level where it's not only okay to dream about making the finals, but now it may be very realistic. I think that him adding that score into that second unit with the defensive versatility that they've got, and then the addition of Jabari Parker, so there's another scorer backing him up and giving him some spacing. I think this team's got another another gear, or maybe two more gears, that we just haven't seen from them yet, and we probably won't until their backs are against the wall in a deep playoff series. Yeah, that's kind of why I asked the first question, because I also was like on the same page as you, thought it was most likely a second-round exit, but with the um, addition of Fournier, 
Kemba, who said this himself, and it looks this way as well. He looks like the best he's probably ever looked. Um, you know, maybe he's not as consistently shooting as much, but he just looks good. He has the burst. He's getting to the hoop. Um, but yeah, I basically just wanted to, you know, get your take on how, how you think they are going to do in the future. And, um, it's kind of crazy. Tristan Thompson, I've done, I feel like a lot of people have done a 180 because his play has done a 180. He, yeah, that's a bummer. But I, I just wonder, I just, I'll get your take on it. Um, do you think Kemba has looked like the best he has thus far in a Celtics uniform as of late? Um, like he's saying. I think that he's getting there, right? I mean, I wrote an article about this earlier today. I'm not sure if you've checked it out. I can drop the link in the chat if you haven't Please seen it. Please drop the link. Um, but I think he's getting there. I think that a lot of the issues he had that he kind of spoke on after the Warriors game were he was having some psychological issues where he felt a little bit nervous to make certain moves or certain maneuvers because they'd caused pain um, previously when he was still carrying that knee injury. And it's took him a while to kind of adjust to do, being able to do those maneuvers with no pain. And I think that that's, uh, as I said in the article, I think that altered his processing um, speed of knowing, you know, like if you get the ball, you process, you see a gap, you process very quickly, you shoot that gap and now you've got an open lane to the basket. Whereas now you need to think, well, is this going to hurt me? And by the time you decide, no, it's not, or I don't care if it is, that gap's no longer there. So you missed that opportunity and you've probably wasted three or four seconds off the shot clock. Well, I think that improved processing speed for him and the fact that he's playing pain-free have um, dramatically helped his performances. All he needs to do now is find some consistency with his jumper. And he's getting there. He's just going through cold stretches, probably usually in the third, early fourth. Once he figures that out, I think he's going to be one of the best versions of Kemba we've seen in a Celtics jersey for sure. Yeah, I think that's some great insight there. Um, because Kemba, I remember when he was in Charlotte and even UConn, you know, he was so good going to the hoop, even as a smaller guy. He kind of would do what Isaiah did, get people going like so far underneath the hoop, he'd still be able to squeeze it up. You know, maybe my eyes are deceiving me, but I feel like I've better and just recently, which is great to see. Um, and yeah, I get, I'll hop down if anyone wants to go up. I just hopped in, hopped up because uh, no one else is in here. But I'll let I'll let someone else give it a go. <laughs> I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much, man. Okay, who's up next? I've got a bunch of people in the chat, so hello to everybody. Um, I've got zero speaker requests, though. This makes me sad. There we go. What's going on, Garrett? How you doing, bro? I'm good, Adam. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing. Um, so, Adam, I'm not. You probably know, or if you don't know, I'm not a Celtics fan. But um, I have many people, I have many friends or followers in here that are Celtics fans, such as Lucas, Ashley, C's Banner, Margot, uh, Ben, obviously. So I have a lot of good Celtics, um, Celtics family who uh, are Celtics fans. That is. So my question for you. In regards to the Celtics, um, I'm not sure if Lucas asked it already. Like, is the Celtics at their best when, like, they have all their guys healthy, like, um, have all the guys healthy, which includes um, Jason, Jalen, Marcus, Kemba, and, you know, everybody. Can they, can they beat Philly or Brooklyn if, if Brooklyn or Philly is at their best health-wise and, and, um, and all of that, or are they still not as good as either one of those teams? Um, even is Boston's best good enough to beat um, Philly or Brooklyn if they're at their best? Is probably more so what I'm asking. I mean, that's super tough to answer. Um, 
I think that Boston's best against either against Brooklyn's best. Uh, if we're being realistic, then no. Uh, at the end of the day, Brooklyn's best is like a Hall of Fame lineup with three of the best scorers in the game, all three of which can go isolation, can play a little bit off ball that are just ridiculously dominant and guaranteed Hall of First Ballot Hall of Famers. So I don't think that Boston's best versus Brooklyn's best is going to cut it, unfortunately, just because the talent discrepancy at the top. Uh, I'm being quite honest here. Uh, If we're going against Philadelphia, I feel like there's much more of a chance. Philadelphia, very strong in Embiid, Simmons. They've added that spacing in Curry. Um, They've got some good length all across that roster that are going to make things really difficult defensively. But I think Boston have got good good, uh, perimeter defense. They'd be able to frustrate Embiid if they can try and keep him out of the paint and make him do most of his work in that kind of mid-corner region like they have done in the past. Uh, I just think Boston are more deep in terms of being able to go one through, one through five in scoring options, whereas I feel like Philly are really one through three in legit scorers. Um, but I still think Philly hold the edge just because their best players are all NBA talent level players at the moment. And while Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are trending towards all NBA talent, I don't think they're there just yet. So it's tough. I'd, I'd put Boston as the underdogs in both of those series, but the good thing is that Boston perform best when they've got that underdog tag assigned to them. So I'm not going to say that it's 100% no chance against either. I'd feel a lot more um, confident about their chances against Philly than I would Brooklyn. But there's always an opportunity, especially with how well Brad Stevens is as a playoff coach, that they could come out on top against both. So I've kind of danced around the question, but hopefully I've answered it enough. No, you answered if I I know I guess a tough question because like I said, um like no I all three teams are kinda either injured or not all the way healthy yet to a degree. So I guess, I guess it's tough that um tough to tough for you to answer that. But I figured I'd kinda throw it out there anyways to see just to see what you'd give me. But I appreciate you at least answering the question. Um all the more though, Adam. Yeah, I try to be as honest as possible without upsetting everybody. And I try to be as honest as I think that their chances are. But no, I appreciate you, Garrett, man. Thank you very much, buddy. No problem. What's up, Ben? Good evening, Adam. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. You? I'm doing all right. But I just had a question about the uh, the second unit for the Boston Celtics this evening. Um, okay, Adam. Um, when you think about that second unit, we all understand how important it is to have a a punch that can come off that bench and provide efficient offense or just some kind of offense. Um, Adam, with the upcoming uh, NBA draft coming uh, over the horizon here as we near the playoffs, uh, what do you think the Celtics need to do as far as acquiring talent? And uh, do you think um, they need to get another guard and possibly another forward in this year's draft? Honestly, uh, I think that there's already enough projects on this team that adding more is just a ridiculously big fool's errand. I think that while this draft's ridiculously deep and there's going to be real good players throughout, the only way I'd be comfortable with them acquiring more talent via the draft is by getting off of some of these guys they've drafted that haven't panned out. So Carson Edwards, um, if you don't think that Aaron Neesmith's going to give you the minutes that you need or doesn't fill a need that you realistically have, um, then look to capitalize on moving him before bringing in any more young guys that are going to need minutes. Because at the moment, there's a bunch of guys with fairly high ceilings that are struggling to get the the playing time that's conducive to their development. Um, So I'd be very cautious about using this draft pick if you're not confident of moving off of some of the guys that just didn't work out. Thank you for that take, Adam. I appreciate it.
Of course, man. Thank you very much. Have you got anything out? Okay, he's done. How you doing, Ashley? Hey, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. You? Uh, good. I just had a quick question. Maybe you had some thoughts on this. I'm not sure if you spoke about it previously, but um, I've kind of noticed in the last like week or so, we're getting a lot of like non-COVID sickness on the on the uh, you know uh, list of players not playing in games. Um, first, it was Brown, and then we saw, you know, Tatum sort of be there a little bit. Kemba was kind of pending, you know, so it seems like there's maybe something going around the locker room uh, more than one player has um, has grabbed onto. Any thoughts on that? Like, is there anything in particular, any reason why that would that would be a thing? I mean, these guys are being exposed to crowds again now. There's going to be more people in buildings, which means... People are going to be bringing in germs everywhere, right? Whether or not you have direct contact with them doesn't really make much difference. If you've got, if you're still walking through similar pathways as them, touching doors that they've touched, I'm sure they're not sanitizing door handles after every single person opens and closes a door. Um, it's just really easy to transmit, right? And when you've been kept in such a bubble within, like, I know the NBA has been traveling and they've been open to meeting other players, but everyone's been under strict, like, um, mixing rules the same as the rest of the population you're under very strict rules about who you can socialize with and fraternize with opening stadiums back up means that you're undoubtedly going to pick up some colds i think that for a lot of people that have been working from home myself included once life returns to normality a lot of us are going to get some rough cold flu-like symptoms because we've just been kept in and our immune systems aren't used to battling that stuff now so it's probably that it could be that they had an in-flight meal that didn't agree with them or they went to a restaurant that just undercooked some of the food there. Uh, there's a ton of reasons. I'm not too concerned. And worst case scenario, a couple of these guys get some additional rest. Not the rest they wanted, but they're still resting. Yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. I just figured I would ask maybe there was like some reasoning behind Because, you know, sometimes they'll put them on the list, but it doesn't necessarily mean that what they're on the list for is what they have. Um, so yeah, we've so seen that happen more than, you know, more than once, but I can see why it's just funny. Cause you know, Brad Stevens is like, Oh, you know, things change cause we're healthy, but it just kind of just seems like we're lingering over health. You know, like it's like, we're kind of healthy, but we're not at the same time where it's like at any moment, something can happen. You know, that little, uh, Jalen Brown knee is still lingering. And now you hear that, you know, Tatum has a little bit of ankle issue and stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, are we really healthy or are we just saying we're healthy because everyone is kind of available to play yeah and i wouldn't be shocked if they're saying that guys have flu-like symptoms just to get them a night off um you know you need to try and keep these guys as fresh as possible with the playoffs so close and how quickly the games are coming and if you need to rest guys in the league is stipulating that if you're healthy you need to play then you've got a poor you've got a poorly tummy or you're not feeling too great it's a good way of being able to skip a game or two um Ideally, if that's what they're doing, I'm all for it too. You know, rest the guys now so that you're healthy yeah. when it when the games really start to count. And as I said earlier, like Brad Stevens did note after the Warriors game that he's not going to risk guys' health chasing seeding position. So that tells me he's quite confident no matter where they fall in the seeding, they're going to be at least able to see off their first-round opponent. So, um, yeah, I mean, if that's what you're doing, if you're resting guys and, like, shadowing it underneath health and safety or shadowing it underneath sickness then that's fine by me i just it's not something i have any insight on where i can say well this is actually what's going on so i'm i'm guessing as much as everybody else okay thanks adam appreciate it of course thank you very much what's good trey hey what's up, what's up I'm, doing, I'm doing well bro i'm doing well uh so the celtics are on a six game win streak right now and i'm just wondering if you think 
uh, it's possible to make that a 13-game win streak to end the month of April. Uh, so coming up, we have <clears throat> the Bulls tonight. Uh, then we have the Suns on Thursday. Then we have the Nets. Uh, we have the Nets Friday. So that's probably the toughest matchup. And then we have a matchup with the Hornets Sunday. Uh, we have the Thunder next Tuesday, followed by a back-to-back uh, another game with the Hornets next Wednesday. And then <clears throat> next Friday, we have uh, the Spurs. So I'm just wondering if you think it's possible that the Celtics could win all uh, all seven of those games to make it a 13-game win streak, or how plausible do you think that is? I think it's possible. I think that you need to come through the rest of this week against the Suns and the, um, the Nets. Both of those teams are ridiculously good. They're going to be tough to beat. You're going to need some health to go your way. and like So your guys are healthy. It doesn't matter what the opposition, if they're healthy or not. You're going to have to beat Brooklyn at some point if you want to make it to a comp- into a NBA Finals. Um, I don't know. What would you give the over-under? If you, was, if you was betting right now, where would you feel on the over-under? I think that's the best way to do it. Because at the minute, I think it's plausible but unlikely. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, th- I would say definitely it depends on if KD sits out. I'm already assuming that Harden's going to be out. But if KD somehow sits out and it's just Kyrie and those and the rest of the guys, then, I mean, depends. I think the Celtics could easily win against the Nets, you know. I don't the Suns, though, the Suns are tough. <clears throat> and the Suns will definitely be a close game. Um, and then the rest of these teams, like the Spurs, even the last game of the month, uh, you can't underestimate them if, if they're healthy, if DeMar DeRozan's playing. Um, I think Boston have had a tendency as well that they've fallen short against the teams they're meant to beat, right? So those Hornet games could um, prove to be the ones that actually break break the streak. Like, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see them win against Phoenix. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be delighted to see them win against Brooklyn because at the minute it feels like Brooklyn's got Boston's number. But then the teams that Boston are meant to beat have been the teams that they've fallen to consistently throughout the year. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them drop a game against a team that they're expected to like have a cakewalk against. Right. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened either way, basically like, you know, if we lose to the Nets or the Suns, or even we drop one to, you know, the Spurs somehow, I doubt it, but you know, it's possible, but I feel like, Tatum has flipped the switch. Um, he flipped the switch, and I don't think he's going to turn back. I think he's ready to go for the rest of this season. Yeah, he's locked in now. I don't think we see him take a step back now. I think that a reasonable over-under would be win five of the seven. I'd feel very comfortable about taking that um, taking that over. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely take the over. Yeah, I, I've taken, uh, taken seven more wins out of seven. I think that's... um. A tough ask, and if we were if we were still in February and we were looking forward and hearing us having this conversation, we'd think we were crazy. Um, so you know, I'd, I'd be completely fine if they can split the two games, one against the Sun, one against Brooklyn. If they can split that, win one, lose one. Uh, I think that's a good end to the week, and then you you recoup and then you go against some teams that you should beat and you should beat them, and then once you come up against the the Spurs, then you kind of just have to be on your best because at the end of the day, a Greg Popovich coach team is always a difficult um, proposition no matter how, who they've got playing for them. Right, right. And um, <clears throat> I guess my second question would be, 
you know, would you prefer the Celtics fight for the fourth seed um, versus the fifth seed? And do you think that having home court should be prioritized right now? Because uh, speaking of which, I'm going to the game tonight. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. You know, it's socially distanced game, half capacity. Um, so I'm just interested to go see the atmosphere and just yell, yell through my mask. <laughs> Is this the first game you're going to since they reopened the fan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's dope, man. I hope you have a great time. Um, and I'm sincere there, man. You know, I'm kind of jealous of everyone getting to go to these games. Um, honestly, I think that fourth seed would be great. I think home court does hold an advantage. How much of an advantage? I don't know when it's when you know the fans aren't there in full capacity to make the buildings rock. Um, I, I think that as Brad said, and as I've kind of hit on a couple of times during this show, um, if you if it's a choice between seeding position and health, then you choose health every time because if you finish the fourth seed, but you're going to be missing two of your main guys for a whole series or the majority of a series, it's not worth doing. You're better off losing the home court advantage and going in at full strength. I think it's viable. I think that, you know, if Boston could win five out of these seven games, we'd be talking about how they can cling on to the fourth seed or they're only a game behind or whatever it may be. Um, but again, yeah, I don't think it needs to be a priority over keeping guys healthy. Yeah. Do you, uh, how do you feel about it? Because you might feel differently. <clears throat> so I think it's right in reach. Um, I definitely agree with you that you don't want to, you know, because Jalen's had the, you know, the knee issue for a little while now. So if, if he needs to sit out, which I heard he's available to play tonight, but if for any reason he needs to sen- sit out like a week or so, I'm all for that. And if that means getting like the fifth seed, then I'm all for that. Uh, but right now, we're at, like, tied um, with Atlanta. So we have a chance to take over and be the fourth seed and then just never look back. Um, so I think that we should we should really go for it. Obviously, the players, I'm sure, want to go for it. And I do think that the home court, um, even, you know, at half capacity, you know, if it's an even playing field league-wide, that's still an advantage towards us uh, because we're one of the we have one of the best home courts uh, in the whole NBA. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree. It, it honestly just depends on health and how banged up these guys are. How long Rob Williams is going to be out with knee soreness? Do they want to try and find some time to sit Tatum between now and the end of the season? Do they want to keep him going? Uh, how does it work when Kemp just still, what is it, two more back to backs that Kemba's going to have to miss a game for? So, how do they operate there? Uh, it's For me, again, it's health has to be first. But if they can get that fourth seed and stay healthy, then everybody's a winner as far as I'm concerned. Right, right. All right, man. I'll let someone else come up. Of course, man. Thanks, Trey. Enjoy the game, bro. Uh, send me some pictures if you can. Appreciate it, man. I'll probably go in live, um, probably on IG. What time is yeah. that? What time's the game? I'll probably be asleep. Let me see what time the game is for me. So it's seven thirty here. I'm not sure what time that is for you. Uh, it's twelve thirty a.m. So I might be awake. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Have a good one, though, man. Stay safe and enjoy the game. Hopefully, they get that W for you. All right, you too, bro. Appreciate it. All right, man. Catch you soon.
Hey, Ben, what's up, man? Ben, did I catch you off guard? Yo, Lucas. Oh, what's up? Um, you almost caught me off guard, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I am kind of piggybacking off, you know, the playoff question. Um, honestly, in the first round. I mean, I feel like Atlanta is the easy answer. Um, but I just wonder, wonder how you feel about that. What do you mean? Like, who do you want as the fir- like the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, who would you want to play? Ideally, if you're a Celtics fan, I, 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 is it Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, Atlanta would be great. Um, the Knicks are currently sitting at sixth. Uh, I, I guess. If you can. F- sorry, sorry to interject, but I guess a better question to ask is: Would you rather face Atlanta or the Knicks? Because we know it, we don't want to face the Heat and such. But would you rather face Atlanta or the? Honestly, I think I'd rather face the Knicks. Interesting. Uh, I just feel like Atlanta's going to be... like No team's going to be an easy out in the playoffs. I just think that in Trey Young, in Gallinari, in Bogey, uh, John Collins, Atlanta are actually a lot deeper than what people think. And a lot of they've made some great adjustments since uh, McMillan took over as coach. I think that the Knicks, while they're the Cinderella, Cinderella story of the season. Um, they're just not ready to get past the first round of the playoffs yet. I think RJ Barrett, this will be good development minutes for him in the playoffs. If Mitch Robinson's playing, it'll be good development for him. But realistically, they can only go as far as Julius Randle takes them and they just won't have enough to be able to see Boston past five games, I don't think. Just because, you know, Boston are going to have Kemba, Jason, Jalen... Fournier, um, Jabari Parker will probably get some minutes there because he'll be able to match up well with their their fours. Uh, whereas a game against the Hawks, the Hawks can go deep in scoring threats. Um, the only difference is it's what you what you prefer. Do you prefer breaking down a really good defense, or do you prefer trying to stop a, a quite good offense? Uh, and and that's kind of where you need to ask yourself. Boston are improving defensively, but their biggest strength at the moment is still the fact that they have some ridiculously talented scorers on this team. So I trust them. I'd feel more comfortable with the Knicks than I would with Atlanta. I I feel like in recent years, you know, I probably would have taken the shutting down like a pretty good offense, but this defense has definitely slipped. Um, so you know, I definitely see where you're coming from, and then that leads kind of into my. Second question, I'll hop down and let Ben, you know, get his in here. Was uh, It was about Julius Randle. So I saw some people kind of saying that Jalen deserved most improved player. Um, and I was wondering where you think it should go. Personally, I think it's Julius just because he made a greater. Jalen might be still a better player in some people's eyes, but he was closer to where he is now. Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I predicted Jalen to be one of the most improved guys. Um what I do think is, at the end of the day, Julius Randle's improved that much that he's basically single-handedly dragged the Knicks into playoff contention. He's played himself into being an all-star. I think that the only narrative that I've seen that's kind of arguing against Julius Randle being most improved if you, is you saw flashes of the player we're seeing now when he had that good year in New Orleans alongside Anthony Davis. But this is completely different. He's doing it as the primary option on the team. He's their complete offensive hub. Uh, I think that it's for me, it's a two-man battle between Jeremy Grant and Julius Randle. And personally, I think that if you look at the two teams' positions, Pistons are down at 15th, Knicks are at 6th. Julius Randle should be the runaway most improved player. Which means now that Lucas has dropped down, Ben, are you there now? Ben is not there now. 
Sam, have I caught you off guard? Okay, so I've... You know, it's called Griffin. What's going on? So, yeah, they, yeah Julius Randle will probably get most improved, but he, he, he averaged 20 before, too, didn't he, before this season, that one year in the Pelicans? Yeah, that's the one argument people have got against him. He averaged, him. like, 20 and 10 and, like, 5. The only difference is, though, you're doing it as a secondary option against one of the best players in the league. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you've got the spacing that Anthony Davis provides. You've got the the room and afforded to you because guys are focusing on closing down Davis and then you get you reap the rewards of that. That's completely different than being the primary guy and having defenses honing on you every night. Right. It was different too. He was getting written off as he wasn't good on defense. He's been incredible on defense this season. Yeah, he's, he's just been, been he's, he, yeah. He makes it next that's what makes him good on defense, him being a protector rim being that player on defense for him. Yeah, I think that his defense has really took an uptick. And then if you look at where his shot chart was that year in New Orleans, he was primarily a corner guy. They were posting him in the corner and asking him to attack closeouts and hit spot-ups. It's completely different this year. He's an offensive hub all the way through. So uh, oh, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think that one year in New Orleans should be a reason why he doesn't right. be, at least get consideration. Right, and that team wasn't even good. This team, next team, they were going to be in the playoffs probably. Exactly, yeah, yeah. They're the sixth seed at the moment. Yeah. And he's shooting forty percent from three, which is really impressive for a big guy. I mean, he's for it's, me. It's his like usage he, rate, yeah, it's crazy. He's came into the league a few years ago, and there was a lot of expectations on him. I think he struggled to find out who he was. And look, man, not only do I think that Randall should be um, the most improved player, but I think that um, Tibbs should be the coach of the year for the job he's done in New York. Right. Definitely. I mean, you look at the Lakers. They shouldn't have got, trying to gotten rid of Kuzma and kept Randall. They messed that up big time. Yeah, hindsight though, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Exactly. I mean, Kuzma came in and had a solid rookie year. It just never went further than that. And yeah. I think at the time Randall was struggling, so it made sense to them. Like, hey, Kuzma's come in, had a really good year. Randall's not. It's not really working right now. Right, Randall. Yeah, he, didn't he like break his leg his first like couple months into the NBA season as he was a rookie? Honestly, I can't remember, but I, I think so. I know I he had like, broke his leg his first month as a rookie, and it always took a while to get back. Yeah, and it takes guys a while not only to get back, but then you need to find a rhythm, get back to the level you were playing at before, and then you need to improve. So it's not an easy road. Yeah. He's been super clutch this year, too, for the Knicks. He makes clutch shots. Yeah, he's he's been there. He's the whole reason they're in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to, to touch on? Um... Like with Jalen, like if he didn't average twenty last year, he probably wouldn't won, wouldn't win it this year. But since he averaged twenty last year, he could have been an All Star last year, but he wasn't. That's probably why he's not going to get it. Yeah, I also think that when there's other guys that are carrying teams to playoff seeding and like leading teams as primary options, it's hard to give Jalen the nod simply because, like, yeah, again, look at the guys around you that are making scoring easier for you by the gravity that they they possess themselves. Yeah, exactly. You have to look at the whole team makeup, right? Like, if, if Jalen was averaging 35, then I could see that being less of a factor. But averaging 20, 22, when you're surrounded by other guys that are going to make defenses have to stay honest, uh, it's impressive, but it's not impressive enough to be out Jeremy Grant or Julius Randle. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Randle, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get it. He definitely should get it. Yeah, and I think he will. I think he will. Yeah, in fact, he's gonna, he made All Star team from it this year, so he definitely should after making the first All Star team. I just don't know who else you could go to between outside of him and Grant. There's just nobody that really makes sense. Yeah, to me. I don't think Jeremy, 
the Detroit's such a bad team that have so many games. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, this is what I'm saying. Randall and Jeremy Grant have both had great seasons. The only difference is Randall's led his team to the playoffs. Does Jeremy Grant have a higher usage rate than Randall? That's a good question. I'd have to look at that to know. I could pull it up now, but I'd have to log in and stuff. And the show's almost done. Okay, I'm gonna. All right, Griffin. I'm gonna give one more person a chance to jump up before I end the show, buddy. Okay. Appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you. Okay, it seems to have gone funny again, where I can't see any requests or see anyone chatting. So uh, I'll just say thank you, everyone, for joining in. I'll be back again on Wednesday and Friday, and I'll be back doing the Q&A again next Monday. If anybody wants to listen to this back, then it will be up as a podcast on Wednesday on the Celtics blog feed. As usual, please hit me, uh, throw me a follow on Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Leave that five-star written review on the podcast. It helps me a bunch, and I really appreciate it. And then anyone listening, if you want to be involved, in, uh, join me again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Everybody stay safe. Enjoy the game. And I'll catch you all again soon.